the Finns, who are one group of Uralic-speaking Indo-European peoples, speak the Finno-Ugric language based on an original Uralic vernacular spoken by the peoples of the Northern Urals for several millennia. These peoples have developed a distinct mythology after they migrated into the area known as Finland and Karelia. These myths were collected in the national epic of Finland, the Kalevala, compiled by the poet Elias Lonrot in the 19th century. Hi there, welcome to Stories That Made Us. On this episode, we recount the Finnish creation myth, which is based on ancient Finno-Ugric traditions. The story recounted here is told mainly in the first two runes or sacred chants of the epic Kalevala. Vainamoinen is the central character of the epic. He is a shamanistic hero and a minstrel or bard. He is born of Ilmata, the water goddess, and contributes to the creation of the earth, especially bringing fertility to the barren world. This is his tale, as much as it is the story of the world's creation. In the beginning, there was just the sky and water, a vast sky and endless water. In this creation bereft of life and beauty, there lived a maiden in heaven. She was alone and lonely. As eons passed, the maiden grew weary, wondering if her existence was to be a sad and hopeless life, wondering if she was destined to live alone for ages in the infinite expanse of heaven. This maiden was the sky's daughter, and her name was Ilmatar. One day, she came down from heaven to live upon the ocean. The waves became her home, for there she lived and slept. She swam in the ocean for years and years. She braved through the storm winds flying from the east in deadly fierceness. She was tossed to and fro, battling whirlwinds and hurricanes. But by and by, the tempest slowed and the winds were tamed. Ilmatar swam and drifted in the water for years and years. She floated in the ocean for seven hundred years. She swam as the water mother and travelled to the east and west, to the south and north. Eventually, Ilmatar was tired and worn down. She began to gently weep and said, My life is woeful and terrible. I have been granted a hard fate. I left my home in heaven out of boredom, hoping to find some respite in the ocean. But all I found was endless waters and fearsome tempests. Is this my fate? To be tossed by rolling billows? To be rocked by winds and waters? All I've ever known is pain and trouble. Oh, Uko, the creator of all! I wish you would have made me a maiden in the ether. 
I would have rather had that than be the water mother. My life here is cold and dreary. Painful is every motion as I am swept and torn apart in the water. Ukko, dear God, you are the ruler of heavens. Pray come here and relieve my pain. Pray, hear me, for you are needed. I implore you to deliver me from my woeful fate. Please, hasten and help this helpless maiden. Now as the water goddess was lamenting to Ukko of her trials and travails, she spied a beautiful duck descending from the heaven. The duck came flying, looking here and there. It came searching for a place to build a nest. But the poor bird could not find a grassy hillock or even the smallest bit of land to build its nest. It flew softly, circling over the vast expanse of water, searching for the ideal resting place. The deity spied the duck for a long time with utter fascination. She heard the bird fly around in vain, whispering to itself in defeat. All I wish is to build a nest, but alas, I can find no place to make a dwelling. Surely the winds would destroy my nest and the waves would wash over and decimate it. Ilmatar took pity upon the poor duck. She thus raised her shoulder and her knee out above the ocean. She raised them so that the duck might land and build its dwelling there. The bird saw the knee and the shoulder come out of the water like two hillocks upon the blue ocean. She hovered over them for a while and found a nesting place that was safe and desirable. In this space, she built her humble dwelling and laid her eggs. Six golden eggs the bird laid, and the seventh, an egg of iron. Now, the warmth from the duck sitting in the nest seeped down and burnt Ilmatar's knee. Even the water around her became warm. Slowly, she became so hot that it felt as if a fire was coursing through every vein in her body. Unable to take the discomfort anymore, the goddess decided to change her position. She merely shook her body slightly, but alas, this caused tremors in the nest. The eggs fell from the nest and into the ocean and dashed into pieces upon hitting the bottom of the deep and boundless water. The eggs, however, did not perish in vain, but upon breaking, they were transformed. All the broken fragments floated in the water and slowly came together. Magically, they joined to form two pieces of wondrous beauty. Both the pieces became of equal size. One piece became heaven, the other turned to the nether world. From the egg white came the white moon and moonlight. From the yellow yolk was formed the sun and sunshine. The motley part where the yolk and the whites mixed became the stars and starlight. 
Finally, the dark parts became clouds. This is how the world, our world, was formed. These became the first creations upon and under the vast expanse of the water. The daughter of Ether, Ilmatar, still, however, continued to swim in the sea as the water mother. She swam for nine years. Finally, in the summer of the tenth year, she lifted her head above the surface. She looked around, and at last, as if guided by the great Uko, began her workings. This is when creation, land, and life as you and I see it took form. On the azure water, the mighty waste of endless ocean, there first arose a fertile hillock. This slowly turned to all the land upon the earth. Wherever water mother's feet rested upon the land became holes, ponds and lakes for fishes. Where she dived beneath the water, there came to be the great deeps of the sea. Where she turned her sides, the level banks rose to form cliffs, canyons and ravines. Where her head was pointed landward, there came wide bays and inlets. Where the deity rested upon her back, there the hidden reefs were created. Reefs that have wrecked many ships and where many lives have perished. Ilmatar then created the islands by fastening rocks in the ocean. She then held up the sky with huge pillars. She created the fields and forests and made the checkered stones of many colors. She made our world. All this came to be before Vainamoinen was even born in the world. Who is Vainamoinen, you ask? He is the old and trusty mage and minstrel whose magic changed life for better and whose voice lent itself to merrymaking and all things joyous. He was the hero of many tales and the bringer of laughter and merriment. He was born from Ilmatar and the sea was his father. Now Vainamoinen was delivered at the bottom of the ocean, and that is where he lived for thirty years. For all these years he had not seen the sunlight, nor felt the moonlight. For thirty years he did not stand upon land, nor did he run on the beaches and the sand. He lingered within his dungeon that was deep under water. After spending 30 summers there, Vainamoinen decided to leave his home and travel upward to the surface. He thus raised his arm and prayed to the sky. Take me, O moon, I pray to you. Take me. Take me, O sun above me. Take me. Take me, the great bear, the greatest among all constellations the prince among the stars. Take me. Take me away from this dark and dreary prison. Take me away from this narrow and gloomy dungeon. Lead me so that I may find dry land and walk and wander. 
Help me see the moonlight and feel the sunlight. Help me see the stars that shine in heaven. Thus prayed Wainamoinen. However, no help was forthcoming. The moon refused to free him and the sun would not even deign to consider his request. Neither did the great bear, the greatest of all constellations, provide any assistance. Wainamoinen's existence grew dreary. He spent all his days praying to the celestial deities and plotting his escape from the dark and dismal dungeons that was his home. His patience grew thinner as the days went by, and finally he decided to take matters into his own hands. Eventually, Wainamoinen, through his sheer strength of will and body, broke out of his dwelling and rushed into the water. He swam and swam for seven years, hoping to find land. He swam till the autumn of the eighth year, when at last he spied land. He swam ashore a barren island, bereft of trees and grasses. It is here that the hero Wainamoinen saw the first sunshine and the silver moonlight. It is here that he saw the stars light the sky. Wainamoinen was happy. He was finally ashore. He was finally upon the land. Thus Wainamoinen, the son of Ilmatar, the water goddess, was now ready to bring life upon the earth. Wainamoinen spent many a summer upon the island, wandering from one end to another. There, he spent many winters as he considered and long reflected how to best begin creation. He wondered who would sow the island and from where he could procure seeds to scatter. At last, he thought of Pelewoinen, the firstborn of plains and prairies. He asked Pelewoinen for guidance on who should sow the land and from where to find seeds. Pelewoinen heard the prayers of Wainamoinen and sent forth a slender young boy named Samsa. It is he who sowed the land with his hard work and diligence. It is this boy who, with the help of Pelewoinen, scattered seeds upon the plains. He dispersed seeds of trees and plants among the lowlands, and the seeds that grew forests on the loose earth. Then on the firm soil he sowed the acorns. In the mountains, Samsa planted the fir trees. Pine trees he scattered on the hilltops, and many shrubs in every valley. He then proceeded to sow the birch trees in the marshes, and the alders in the loose soil. In the lowlands, he sowed the lindens, and upon the moist earth, he grew the willows. Mountain ash was scattered on the banks and streams, and junipers in the hilly regions. All this came to be with the blessing of Pelewoinen and the hard work of Samsa. Soon the seeds were sprouting, soon the forest trees were growing, 
soon appeared the tops of fir trees, and the pines were far outspreading. Birches rose from all the marshes, and in the loose soil grew the alders. In the mellow soil sprouted the lindens, and the junipers grew with clustered berries. Wainamoinen was pleased. He felt pride as he looked around and saw the world turn from a barren land that he had first inherited into a beautiful and verdant realm worthy of the gods. He saw with pride how Samsa's hard work transformed the land. He was pleased with how the blessings of Pelewoinen made the soil fertile and how beautifully the plants and crops blossomed. However, the oak tree had not sprouted. The tree of heaven remained in the acorn, sleeping. No matter how much care and water Samsa and Wainamoinen provided, and how much they prayed to Pelewoinen, the oak tree refused to sprout. Wainamoinen waited and observed for three days, looking and praying for the oak tree to grow. But the tree refused to sprout from the seed. It had not left its acorn dwelling. This greatly perturbed Wainamoinen, for he wondered why the oak tree did not grow, no matter what he did. Then one day, Wainamoinen saw five water maidens upon the shore. They were raking and mowing the grasses. After they were done, Wainamoinen spied the ancient giant of the ocean, the mighty Tursas, rise from the ocean and light a fire on the collected grasses. The flames shot to heaven, and the grasses burned till the withdraws burned to ashes. Only ashes remained of the raked grasses. Suddenly, Wainamoinen had an idea. He took the acorn and planted it in the ashes of the grasses. Lo and behold, the oak tree sprouted from the acorn. It grew tall and stately. There was no stopping the tree as it grew wider and larger. It grew many branches, rounding itself in a broad corona. The tree grew until it loomed above the storm clouds and stopped the white clouds in their courses. Eventually, the branches got so tall that it stopped sunlight and moonlight from entering the earth. Wainamoinen was despondent. The oak tree that he had taken so much care for and had so wished to grow had now stopped the winds, light and clouds from reaching the earth. He had to now fell the majestic tree. He had to lop its hundred branches, for the lives of all the land and the ocean dwellers became sad and dreary as the sun did not shine upon them and the moonlight did not cheer them. Wainamoinen thus decried, Is there no great hero who can fell the mighty oak tree? one who can lop its hundred branches. Thinking deeply, Wainamoinen then said to himself, Kape, the daughter of Ether, the ancient mother of my being, 
Luonotar, my nurse and helper, loaned to me the water forces, the great powers of the ocean, loaned to me the strength so that I may upset this mighty yoke, so that I may uproot this tree of evil and bring sunshine and moonlight back to the world. Just as Vainamoinen said those words, from the ocean arose a dwarf hero. He came ashore wearing a cap of copper. His boots, gloves and belt were copper, as was the axe that he carried. Vainamoinen looked at the dwarf questioningly and quizzically, and then asked, You, sir, are you divine or human? What is your name and your profession? For though you look like a man and have all the bearings of a hero, you are scarcely taller than the hoof of a reindeer. Then answered the dwarf, I am indeed a god and a hero. I have come at your request to fell the oak tree. I originate from the tribes that rule the heaven, and I am the answer to your prayers. Vainamoinen then responded, Might you have the strength and possess the force required to approve this mighty tree, dear dwarf god, for you are so tiny. Would you have the strength to upset this thing of evil and to lop its hundred branches? Vainamoinen had barely finished his words that he saw the dwarf transforming. The little man quickly changed to a mighty giant, who with one step left the ocean and planted himself firmly upon the earth. His head pierced the cloud and his beard was as long as his knees. His golden locks fell to his ankles. His mighty shoulders and giant feet were parted far apart. The giant then began to sharpen his copper axe. He used six hard blocks of sandstone and seven softer whetstones to sharpen his axe. The giant god was then ready to fell the tree. He turned and walked toward the oak, his long robes fluttering in the wind. With his sharpened hatchet, the giant got ready to strike the trunk. With the first blow, he struck the trunk and with the second he cut it. With his third blow sparks shot out, and with his fourth finally relented the great oak. The heaven and the earth shook as the mighty oak tree fell. Its chopped fallen trunk extended far to the east, while the treetops went deep in the west. The leaves were scattered to the south, while the branches pointed north. Now whosoever had obtained a branch of the oak had secured eternal welfare. Those who secured for themselves the treetop gained mastery in magic. Those who had gathered the foliage were granted fertility and happiness. Many chips and pieces of the bark had fallen on the ocean. These bits, rocked by the winds and waters, were sent northward. One day, one of the Northland's fair maidens was washing her clothes on the shore when she spied there, in the waters of Poyola, 
the chips and splinters that had been carried by the winds and waters. She quickly procured a bag and carried these chips back with her to the ancient courtyard. There, she used them to make enchanted arrows. They became the weapons of the skillful archers. Now that the oak tree had been vanquished, the land shone in the gentle gleam of the moonlight. The people could see the sun again, and vegetation flourished. The clouds could finally keep their courses uninterrupted, and warm sunshine shone brightly over every lake and river and the banks of every island. With the sun shining brightly upon the land, nature blossomed. Beautiful groves blanketed the land as forests sprouted, covering the earth in a green sheath. Birds were happy to see the sun and chirped and sang merrily on the treetops. Mountains were full of trees growing wild berries and golden flowers blossomed in the meadows. Many herbs and vegetation grew and prospered, all but the barley. Vinamoinen, the great hero, now considered how to make barley grow. He went away, deep in thought, to the border of the waters. There he sowed six seeds of barley. He then sowed some more on the shores of the upper Northland. Even more, he sowed on the brinks of Kalu waters and the Osma hills and lowlands. He hoped that Bali would grow in at least one of these places. A little titmouse bird then cried, Hark! from the aspen. Osma's Bali will not flourish, nor the Bali of Wainola, said the bird. The soil has not been made ready, nor has the forest been leveled. You must burn the branches and the dead plants in the forest and make a clearing. You must prepare the soil for barley to grow. Wise and ancient Wainamoinen hearkened the bird's advice. He made himself an axe and began chopping trees and clearing forests. He felled trees of all kinds all except the birch. He left the birch tree standing, for the birds needed a resting place. He left those trees untouched, so that wild cuckoos may sit there and sing in their sweet voices. Then one day, down from heaven came the eagle and landed upon one of the trees next to Vinamoinen. The eagle then addressed the hero. Why have you left the birch tree standing? To this, Vinamoinen answered, Only the birch is left standing so that birds may lie within it, so that you, the majestic eagle, would find a place to rest, so that the cuckoo may sit there and sing a sacred song. The eagle listened keenly to this and replied, Good indeed is your judgment that you have left the birch tree for us to rest. The eagle then left Vinamoinen's side and kindled fire among the felled branches and trunks of the other trees. 
Soon the flames intensified, aided by the north and east winds. All the fell trees were turned to dust and ashes, all but the birch. Vainamoinen, having thus cleared land for planting crops, brought forth the barley seeds and sowed seven of them on the soil that was enriched with ashes. Soon enough, the crops sprouted and flourished. Vainamoinen then prayed to the gods, saying, I have sowed the seeds of life, seeds that have come to me from the hand of my Creator. Here, in the soil enriched with ashes, I lay the seeds to sprout and flourish. Ancient Mother, you who live far below the earth and ocean, Mother of the fields and forests, bring the rich soil to producing. Bring the grains to sprout. Make it so that barley may flourish. Pray, make it so that earth is never unaided, so that humans for all generations may be able to plant and harvest the ripe and nutritious produce from the earth. Pray, make it so that the rain, wind and sunlight all care for the crops and help the plants to harvest and fructify. Upon hearing Wainamoinen's prayer, Ukko, the father of heaven, held his counsel in the clouds. He then sent rain clouds from all directions each floating toward the ground where Vainamoinen had planted the crop. Above the cultivated soil did the clouds join together, and eventually it rained. It is this rain that quickened the ripening of the barley, and straight away did the seeds grow. There arose richly colored years from the ground. A thankful Vainamoinen praised Ukko, humbled by the Father's kindness and love. Many days had passed since the rain, and the barley continued to flourish on the fertile soil. On the eighth day, when Vainamoinen went to check on the crops to see the fruits of his planting, sowing, and all the labors, he found the six-sided years of the crop. Vainamoinen then looked around and saw a cuckoo bird flying towards him. The bird came to him and asked, Why have you left the birches while taking down the other trees? To this, Vainamoinen replied, I have left the birch tree as the only growing tree in the soil, so that you, my dear bird, as indeed all birds, may rest and seek shelter. Let the tree be your home for joyful singing. Let the tree be where you sit and call out to the world every morning. Let it be so that the beautiful music of your throats make for better growth of forests, for the ripening of the barley, for the richness of the Northland, and the joy of Kalevala. This is how Ilmatar created the world we live in, and Vainamoinen made it ripe for all trees and plants to flourish. 
This is how the ancient and wise man planted the first of crops to feed all humanity. This is how the world was readied for us to come and prosper. That's all for this episode. If you like the finished tale of our origin, please do subscribe. Listen to the creation myths of other tribes, cultures and civilizations in the previous episodes. If you have any comments, advice or feedback, please reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram at stories thtmdeus. That's at stories thtmdeus. You may also email us at info.storiesthatmadeus at gmail.com. Finally, do share the podcast with your friends and family. I will see you again next week. Until then, goodbye.